Hello and welcome to the next installment of Optin NYC. I am one of your hosts, Police Officer Joe Valletta, and I'm joined this week with John Negron, as well as Special Agent Brian Gander with the FBI. So we've had uh, lots of ranks involved with the NYPD. This is the first time we're going now federal with our guests. So I'm happy to be here. So what do you currently do with the FBI? I currently work on the uh, Crimes Against Children Squad, which is more formally known as its task force name, which is the Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Task Force in New York City. And you work closely with NYPD? Yes, we work hand in hand each day. It's a task force comprised of FBI agents and NYPD detectives. What did you, have you previously done with the Bureau? I first came into the Bureau about 18 years ago. Uh, in 2002, I went through the Academy down in Quantico. January 2003, came to the White Collar Branch where I worked on a money laundering with Potential for Terrorism squad. Uh, that squad then turned into a public corruption squad and civil rights. I also worked on a transnational organized crime squad for about a year uh, at their request. And then from there, in about 2015, late 2015, I came to my current squad. And when you were going through all that, was that always in New York or have you bounced around? Always in New York. Oh, wow. Yes. Is that kind of how you're assigned through the bureau? Like you're assigned a state level thing or? So I know uh, it's like the... De- NYPD, like we're assigned a precinct and, hey, you're going to go to the 75 and you're going to cover East New York. That's kind of it. What has it worked Sure. So when you, when you come into the FBI, especially in the, through the academy, you get to rank the offices where you want to work and they try to do their best to get you where you want to go. Uh, born and bred in New York. I grew up on Long Island. Uh, so I came back to New York City and we cover uh, the entire New York City area, uh, including all the boroughs. Yeah, they kind of ask us where we want which precincts we want, and then the department seems to just ignore that and give you whatever. Sometimes that seems the case, but I was lucky in my end. So. so why don't you go through some like any, I know you can't specifically talk about major cases that you've worked on throughout the past, but what were some of like your like career highlights or defining moments that you were like particularly proud of? Sure. So I've had a decent amount of cases that have been in the newspaper, uh, but I love what I do now. I mean, everything that I do now, much of which does not make it into the newspaper, uh, it, we're working with foster care kids, um, young women generally that are victimized, whether they're minors or adults now, and just being able to be there for them, try to get the, their pimps and whatnot that they work for off the streets and trying to get them services to get their lives back together. I mean, any single day when I'm doing that, that those are highlights in my career. So I, I really do love what I'm doing now. Uh, with it being a federal level how do you get involved then with, with the NYPD? Do, do we come to you? Do you come to us? And what does that look like? So what we have now is the task force. So pretty much everything that I can do, my partner, Rose Muckenfaller, and everybody else on the squad and all the detectives can do the same thing. Uh, there are state laws and there are federal laws, many of which are similar, but are prosecuted at different levels. So while you might have a state-based crime, which might be prostitution or promoting prostitution, that coincides with the federal laws which we charge for sex trafficking and some of the ancillary charges that are related to sex trafficking. So then if uh, a pimp is then crossing state lines, do you get involved by default then because now it's federal? It, they don't even have to cross state lines. I mean, it, it's really, it's, it's much more similar uh, to the state laws than people probably think. Uh, what we look at for purposes of federal charges are force, fraud, and coercion. So if you meet any one of those elements, you can charge at the federal level. It's just a matter of building the case, having enough evidence, and uh, working with the victims and witnesses to build the case up at that point. 
I mean, the way you speak, obviously, you can tell you've been with the Bureau for so long, and you just sound... Just Feels like, like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love my job. You just know what you're talking about. Was, there, was it always kind of just like, I want to join the FBI? Was that always a dream, or was there something else that was there at some point? So I did not know that I wanted to be an FBI agent until my probably junior, senior year of college. Uh, it was one of those things where I it was looking like I was going to do something in finance, which is where I ended up right before this job. Uh, but I knew I wanted to do something civil service oriented. I grew up in that whole atmosphere. It's always about trying to help others and whatnot. And there was a time when I was working in a mall in college, paying for my books and whatnot by working there. And I remember there was a woman that came up to the counter to buy something. And I asked her for proof of uh, ID because she had a checkbook. And she showed me her FBI credentials. So that was almost like a smack in the face that made me kind of realize, well, this is what I want to do. And from that point on, everything that I was doing was tr to try to get to the place where I am now. So CIA was never a uh, consideration? I know you guys are kind no, of rivals. It's like FDNY, FDNY and NYPD. It's yeah, and it was never something that I wanted to do, really. Wanted to it was, stay local. I mean, I it joked around with my family about going into the fire department. That was something that I looked... Um, it's something I might have wanted to do as well, but this was just the right fit for me. Yeah, I could definitely say that better better to go the law enforcement side than the FDNY side. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a uh, issue that I think I struggle with all the time with the family being from the fire department and what I do as well. But everything is equally as cool of a job. So, so let's pause for one minute sure. and hear a word from our sponsors. And we're back. So why don't you take us through like what a normal day kind of looks like for you? Because for us, there's no such thing as a normal day. I mean, me as a nerd sitting at a table now, it's much more normal, but street work. But for you, what is it like? Sure. So I think at best with our squad, it's controlled chaos. So it might seem like it's normal at a given day. And then there are days where all of a sudden you're just thrown out in, in the midst of like everything that's going on on the street. Uh, there are many days, most days, where I'm in front of a computer, just like anybody else. Uh, the difference is that I'm actually combing through data that we have and evidence trying to build cases, because we don't like to just work cases here and there. We're actually trying to do something um, to help the mission, trying to decrease it versus just putting your fingers in the holes in the dam, trying to actually fix the dam so it, it doesn't continually break. Uh, but many days, like I said, I'm, I'm in front of a computer, uh, that could lead to later on in the day where my partner might have uh, a victim that we can get in. And I might have thought I was going home at 6, and now I'm going home at 9. But that's the nature of it. You have to, uh, sometimes you have to jump when you can jump, because there might not be other opportunities to do so. Is there any cases that you could talk about with us? Sure. We, there are probably a few. I, th I think one that stands out is uh, when the task force first started uh, into 2017, we had a, a situation where a female minor victim uh, was in the Bronx and she was being pimped out. And we're trying to locate her, we're trying to rescue her, working with her family, working with the NYPD that was up in, in the Bronx and whatnot. And I remember that day, my partner, as well as one of the other detectives on this, the squad, Detective Harkins, went to an Apple store. I think, believe it was up in Midtown or close to that area, because we believe that they might have been there based upon what the, the subject was actually doing as well. I was up in Westchester giving a presentation at Pace. So I finished the presentation, 
thinking I'm going home and all of a sudden it's, I get a call from Rose saying, we got her. So that turned into a, an overnight thing where we're now, I think we were in Midtown North at the time, talking to this girl, trying to get uh, her back with her mom, uh, trying to figure out what we're gonna do with the subject because you have to be able to uh, figure out if you can charge federally at the time or if you have to charge potentially state just to be able to keep them in and, and keep the victim safe. And then from there, that led to early in the morning doing search of the guy's vehicle. And it was just things that whenever you think that it's a normal day, that's when it is anything but. Just changes. At the it will change. And you just yeah. have to, you have to accept it, understand it, and appreciate it. Because that is, especially with this violation, is the nature of it. How does it start with you guys? Because I know, obviously, with like the pimps controlling the girls, it's very difficult for them to just call you and be like, hey, I need help. So what does it look like just to start an investigation? Sure. So I think what we've kind of relied on over the past two or three years or so is it's all intel driven. So in the past, what I think what would happen is it would always be some sort of a rescue where someone's rescued, then a case is built from there. We don't necessarily wait for the rescue we talk to victims and then we talk to them not just about the pimp that they're working for now, but the 10 they might have had before that. And with that, we get intel based upon other pimps, other victims, other witnesses, and whatever it may be. So we're continually building cases as we're working on the cases that we currently have in front of us. On a, on a little bit of a, a different kind of direction, um, in New York City, there's a lot of stigmas that loom around police officers based off the uniform and just them in general. Do you face any stigmas on your day-to-day -day work being an FBI agent? I think you do here and there. I, I think um, I definitely see it more with the NYPD, what they, the, they'll have to go through versus us. Uh, but I do think one of the saving graces, at least of the violation that we work, it's kind of understood what you're doing is you're, you're, we're trying to help children, we're trying to help as much as we can. So once people understand what we're working, uh, you don't get as much of a, a pushback. But I think there's stigmas, unfortunately, with everything in society. You just have to work through it and do what you believe is right. Uh, as you jumped around from unit to unit, was there different training involved? So post-academy training for each one? Sure. I think a lot of the training, especially in New York, is on the job. New York is its, its own beast. Uh, we, can, we are self-sustaining animal. I mean, we can do what many other offices can't because we have such high volume of cases. So a lot of times you're learning as you're doing. Uh, but there's tons of different trainings you can take. Uh, the beauty of the job is that you can switch from branch to branch, division to division, and when you thought you knew what you were doing, you realize you don't know anything because the job can be so drastically different, which makes it beautiful. You can't really ever get bored. Um, so anybody that's actually wants to be an agent, we are hiring now. So uh, it is a, it's a wonderful job and you do get tons of opportunities for trainings and experience. And what's the hiring requirements for, for the Bureau? Oh, there's, there's several. I think the easiest way for anybody that is interested in it would be to go to FBI.gov and you can see within the, the job section, but it's based upon, they want you to have some experience, work experience, because if you really think about it, um, you want to have people that have different backgrounds. You want to have people that have different experiences because if everybody knows the same thing and only the same thing, you're kind of working with blinders on. So. Uh, I would say any young kid, and it, this goes for me as well, I was, uh, as soon as I was out of college, I was calling up trying to get a job and realizing what the requirements are. Said, all right, I have to step back a little bit and get some experience. But I would say anybody that is interested to just do the best they can in whatever they're doing. Uh, 
there's no mistakes. Just work your butt off and enjoy it. Because once you get to this level and once you're working this job, you'll understand the things you've done in the past and the pattern of practice of how you worked pays off. And that's, that's what you rely on. Once you have the, Is the, uh, the bureau looking for podcast hosts or, <laughs> you know, they might be, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. NYPD. I'm not yeah. leaving <laughs> Take me with you, Joe, take me with you. <laughs> so it's not just agents and detectives. Uh, we rely heavily on a team of analysts, uh, forensic accountants. We have victim specialists. So I think one of the things that works very well on our squad is just the ability to communicate and work together. So everybody kind of knows everything that's going on. So if I'm out on a given day, the case isn't relying on me. I mean, it's, as much as everybody I think wants to be important, the reality is if it's built properly, not one person is, is that important that things can't happen. So everybody kind of knows what's going on. Everybody feeds into the cases. Everybody has some sort of, um, I guess their own wheelhouse of things that they do and do well. But I think the one thing that people might not realize is we do have a team of victim specialists that work with our victims. So what happens is that we might have someone in, which we've had within the last few weeks as well, a few people, where we realize this victim does not have anywhere to live. They don't have any clothes. They haven't eaten in a day and a half. So. We'll rush independently, usually detectives and agents, and try to rush out and get them some sort of food. We generally will have clothes that the victim specialists will stock up uh, just so they have something they can walk out with something on. But the victim specialists work very closely with the various NGOs throughout the city, and they try to work with the victim to figure out what exactly they need. And what's an NGO? It's a non-governmental organization. So any one of the uh, places, uh, like, a, like a restore or sanctuary for families and whatnot, that work with victims of domestic violence and, and sex trafficking, where they might be able to offer them housing, they might be able to offer them legal services. We work with a lot of undocumented immigrants in the country that are, have been victimized as well. We can help them get status. Based upon federal law, if you are a sex trafficking victim and there's a case opened up, we can help get some sort of status. Uh, and that's something that I know it, it's difficult for a lot of people to understand or wrap their, their minds around, but we can. And I, I do understand as well that depending upon a country where someone's coming from, they might not trust law enforcement there. Uh, so that is an uphill battle for us as well. But I think the reality of it is once you just sit with somebody and help them understand that you do actually care, uh, the trust comes with it and you can help them as best you can. So. What exactly um, is kind of the, the end goal for your career? I know some people, they consistently set goals for themselves throughout the career. Sure. What's kind of uh, your most recent goal or maybe the last goal you're looking at? I think uh, within the squad, my goal is to try to make it as fast and efficient as possible to work as many cases. Because I do handle the program as well, so I work cases, but I also try to handle uh, the trafficking program. Uh, it's also to build the program out. So where I see our weaknesses is trying to build it to something bigger than it is. Uh, and then also to try to get things more, um, I think get at least the offices a little more tech savvy, uh, where there's things I think we do manually that really could be automated like, very quickly with no problem. I think from there though, uh, initially I had had some grand ideas of what I want to do when I retired, because technically I can retire within the next three to three years, I'll probably stay a little bit longer. 
Um, I had some great ideas of what I was going to do after that and try to use what I'm doing now. And I realized that, like, I love what I'm doing. So when I leave, I want to do something that is within the same, um, helping the same people, helping sex trafficking victims, helping human tra trafficking victims, helping foster care kids. Uh, whatever I can do to help, I think the reality of it is it's just that is where I need to go, not just want to go. So. Was this always your goal within the Bureau, was to get to some sort of sex trafficking unit? I'd say not until about 2000, I think it was 2008. Uh, 2008, 2009, I don't think I really knew enough about it. And then I read an article about sex trafficking in Mexico. And within the article, uh, there was discussion about people being burned alive to try to make another person realize, hey, if you mess with us, this is what will happen, or telling children they'll never see their families again and abusing the children and whatnot. And once I heard that, it was kind of like, how do you not work this? Like, how do you not do something about it? And from there, it's, it's been my passion with working the violation. So. One thing we always ask our guests is, for a cop story, and you're still a cop, <laughs> do you have one that you could share with us? A cop story, hmm. Anything good that I can think of about my partner, maybe? I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, you're talking just about general stuff and on the Anything street. at all, anything. All right, well, I can actually, one thing I didn't go into about my career was, um, I also for years was on our evidence response team. So where there were major cases and even some smaller cases, whatnot, they'd call us out and we'd have to uh, help collect evidence or whatnot. And one of the things I was most proud of, which as a growing up as a New Yorker, New Yorkers might not want to hear, but it was actually when I was in Boston. Uh, on, after the Boston Marathon bombings a few years back, uh, the team out in Boston requested us to come in to help. And we immediately, as fast as we could, got up there. Uh, it was a sight to see. I mean, it's very sad. I mean, we're, what we did was we spent our time putting the bomb back together as best as we could. Uh, but that city was so appreciative of us being there, and it was something that happened over such a short period of time from when it happened to when everybody was caught. Uh, but you don't really always get to see that. Usually it takes a longer period of time. And um, to have things happen so quickly within a matter of a few days from beginning to end almost, uh, it was quite it's something I was very proud of being part of. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. John, do you have anything else for the end here? Oh, no, I just, I just want to point out, uh, you mentioned one of your goals is kind of getting everything quick as possible, how many cases possible, and I think it's, it's a really good thing to, to be proud of because I think you kind of accomplished a goal in that moment with that team because you were able to get everyone caught in a way as quick as possible. So, Yeah, yeah last thing I'd just like to throw in there is, and I mean this wholeheartedly, is I would not attempt to do my job without the NYPD. Uh, there are some things that you could work with in the FBI that it may not seem as relevant or necessary or whatnot. I would not even attempt to do this. I was so thrilled that the task force was formed, and I would not attempt to do it without them. Well, on behalf great. of the department, even as a, just a podcast host cop, uh, we appreciate your help as well. No, I, I appreciate that. But it, it, with all reality, the detectives on our team are the most dedicated people I've ever worked with. So I'm very proud to be part of the team. All right, and I'd like to thank anyone listening at home for tuning in with us as well. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, four stars if that's the most, 10 stars, however many stars you could give us, I would appreciate it. 
for John, for Special Agent Brian. That's correct. Uh, I just want to make sure I get the titles right. I'm Police Officer Joe Gletta. Thank you for opting in. <laughs>